Welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. And now your host, John Cooler. Hello, Mustang fans, and welcome to another Ford Performance Edition of the Mustang Owners Podcast. I'm your host, John Clore, and as the Enthusiast Communications Manager for Ford Performance, I hope that you are reading my efforts in the Enthusiast section of FordPerformance.com every week. And as always, my co-host is none other than longtime club president and Mustang hobby and industry guru, Mike Ray, who is known in the enthusiast world as the king of connections, Mike, tonight. For those who ever wondered how it was like to live through the golden years of muscle cars, we have a true Ford celebrity on the podcast. Um, I think the more appropriate word is legend. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have legendary Mustang drag racer Al Jonick on the podcast. Al, welcome to the Mustang Owners Podcast. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. It really is. Uh, nice to talk to some real core, uh, hard, hardcore Ford guys like yourself. It's really well, nice. Well, let me tell you. Thank you. They don't, they don't come any more hardcore than you do. Well, I got to say, I've been pretty cool, uh, pretty loyal. I, I, I must say, all, all the other guys seemingly jumped ship and got the Chevrolet's or Mopar deals, but I, I, I hung in there. <laughs> Stay with Ford. You sure did, uh, folks. If you're just uh, been living under a rock for the last 45, 50 years, uh, then what we what we like to tell you is that Al Jonick um, is the man who put the 428 Cobra Jet Mustang on the map. I mean, he changed the complexion of the Mustang from a nice little sporty car to a true muscle car back in the Winter Nationals when Ford swept the finals, and of course you had to have one winner. And that was Al Jonick was was the winner, and boy, the whole world paid attention to the Winter Nationals in the NHRA and what Al was able to do with that Cobra Jet Mustang. And you guys changed the way people looked at Mustang, Al. And um, that must have been, even though you started in racing Mustangs before that and racing all kinds of stuff, that had to be your defining moment in the sport. Yeah, yeah, it was it was easily my biggest win of any kind. Um, the truth of the matter is that uh, it was the very first, I repeat, the very first Super Stock Eliminator for Ford, period. <clears throat> Nobody talks about that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Well, you guys, uh, you know, it was very important. And you know, all enthusiasts know the whole story of the 428 Cobra Jet. You know, we, you know, Mr. Ford, Henry DeDuce, wasn't really excited about doing anything more with the 390. And, we all knew what happened in Providence, Rhode Island, when Bob Tasca was trying to sell uh-huh. Mustang GT 390s, and customers are coming back and trying to trade their 390 Mustang GT back, saying that Chevelle, you know, 396 handed me my rear end, and I don't want my money back. And you know, with with the parts that Ford had, Carroll Shelby was smart enough to wait out the 428, but with the parts that Ford had and the ability to put together the Cobra Jet engine, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of people at the company that thought it was necessary. But you guys out on the drag racing circuit, what were you running before the Cobra Jet was out there? Well, we were uh, me. I was running up the four twenty seven overhead cam engines since nineteen sixty five. You were high so dollar. Was, you were high dollar. I was one of the good guys. I was a, a regular Ford subsidized uh, racer back in the days, and uh, got all the latest and greatest stuff. All the all the uh, 
chassis were done by uh, Hamid Moody, and um, they put the they moved the springs towers out, and they put these very clever. Um, how do I say this? It's a kind of uh, it's a picture of flat spring like you had in the rear. Mm-hmm. They cut it off, and, and then they just they put it on the front of the frame that's made solid, and then the 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 spring would twist sideways, not up and down like you think it would. It would twist sideways like a torsion bar. And that's all. And that's why it was so light and so clever uh, to get rid of all that junk up front because they, they did away with the spring towers. It's well, those, 420, Al, those 427s were the thing. I mean, that was it. That was Ford's big uh, calling yeah. card. But you know what? Um, on the street, very few people had them. They were, you know, Ford wasn't in the in the business of trying to make them they're too expensive they were hard to for them to produce in great numbers and they had to do something they they thought the 390 was it but when the 428 came out and the, the they got the parts to make a cobra jet out of it there was a there was an engine that when the mach 1 came out the mustang came out and they said you know what we can put this engine in a car and get the kind of power we need to make on the street and how how do you do that you take aljonic who was you know Lighten up the drag strip. You give you guys. You had a whole Ford race team, and you give you guys these Cobra jets, and then you go out there and just. Did you expect to wipe up the competition with this thing? Well, you know, let me give you a, a kind of a, a, a background story of that because it's funny you should say stuff like that. Uh, here I am. I'm a Ford guy. You know, got got the got the, the deal from Ford. And um, like being discovered by the NFL, you know, as a young kid, got this deal, I was really happy. And I couldn't get nobody to go to the Winter Nationals with me because nobody could get a chicken, a, 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 a kitchen pass for their wives or their job for three weeks because it takes that long to go out there, get the car, fix it up, go to the race, and then drive it back to Pennsylvania. It's like a week out, a week back. And then we there, you know, that kind of thing. And so I was here. I am a big, big tycoon and I got nothing going on for me. I can't, I can't go by myself. <laughs> so I, I, I'm stuck here. So big racer, you know, Stan, <laughs> one guy to come with you. So, so, uh, uh, I get a, uh, I had, a, I, I start to gild the lily a little bit. And I says, listen, how about if we just drive it out there? Non-stop, so we can cut off a, a, a better part of the week and uh, make, and then the way back that would be a week. That's already two weeks. Could you could you candle two weeks? So he said. So I, I finally uh, got somebody. I got two guys that uh, that never went with me before <laughs> to go. Uh-oh. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was oh, it was great. No, it was it was great. Except that we had a drive. Listen, fifty-four. Straight hours, nonstop, from Philadelphia to L.A. Oh my gosh! Oh. Three guys, just constantly rotating from the back to the front. You, you take like three, four hour shifts, and the next guy goes down. You, the guys in the back would sleep. You know, we had a four door uh, cab, and so one guy would sleep. The other guy would be co-pilot. The other guy would be driver. And when he died, when he died, the next guy switched over, and, oh, and all we stopped was. Food and gas. That's it. We just kept going. Unbelievable. Well, that's 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 true dedication. I can tell you when I want to go to an event, and my wife says I'm not going that far. I call up Mike Ray and I say, "Hey, Mike, let's." Uh, and we, Mike, how many times have we said, uh, "Oh, it's going to be a long 15 hours today," and 
We, you get behind the wheel, I get behind the wheel, and before you know it, hey, we're pulling into the hotel parking lot. My favorite <laughs> job in this in this world is being your wingman. <laughs> well, well, I mean, can, we haven't driven out to go from Detroit to LA yet, Mike, and that, that even with three guys nonstop, that's quite the thing. But you, you know, uh, the, the Winter Nationals was the big deal, Al, and you had to get there. Well, I'm saying that the, the, the truck was, you know, a 65 mile an hour top speed kind of truck. You know, what I'm saying <laughs> so. You got you can't go real fast, up, especially up the mountains. Uh, I got my back car on the top of it, and I, and I got a trailer behind it. Uh, I don't know why I brought the back car with me, but the bottom line is I did. And uh, in case this thing didn't work out, I was going to race that. I did. I did. Uh, I, I, as a matter of fact, I I. I Put it in. I did time trials. I, I got inspections. I, I put. Uh, I got it all through, ready to race, and I never raced it because all my attention went to the, the cover jet. So I never <laughs> saw it all time brief. I did, it just parked there and never used it for actual competition because of the cover jet. <laughs> well, Mike, do you remember when we first? Mike, you remember when we first heard Al at Carlisle, and we found out he was just a Philadelphia drag racing kid who actually did wrenching remember when we were just sitting there with our mouths up like man this guy's the real deal do you remember when he first met him up there absolutely <laughs> yeah no it was such a pleasure too like i said you know my dad was a big fan of all that in uh in the 60s and he mentioned your name to me al multiple times and uh to meet you in person just it made a full circle and uh such an honor to meet you and uh be able to chit chat about cars with you oh well thank you but it's a uh... It's always a pleasure to talk to people who actually uh, understand what what it was all about versus uh, oh they don't even know what you're talking about. You're just being polite and, and, and listening, but the, you guys actually know what the, the grief of what the things I'm just talking about. <laughs> Working, saying, you know, driving like a crazy, you know, all the glory that, that goes with it is you've got thousands and thousands of hours of torture behind it. You know, what I'm saying it's, it's just people just don't understand how hard it is to make these things work. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Well, Al, your whole life was, you know, hot rodding and then being on the Ford drag team and, you know, the dealerships getting to sponsor you. And a lot of people were surprised after you had this great career that after you retired, you still hang out with these racers. You go to the Carlisle Ford Nationals and you, you hang out with all the guys and uh, it's just you're still into it. Well, let me say that you really don't really understand what I really do. But uh, I, I, uh, if you read my book about, did you see that part about the aviation part? Well, you know, my best friend, he got this airplane that we made built, built an engine. Up. So I got into the airplane engine business literally after that. Okay? okay. And so I wound up 
I'm still doing an engine right now as we speak uh, for a, um, a carbon composite uh, uh, Spitfire ap application. The guy in, in, in Colorado, he wants to um, he wants to fly it upside down. I got dual redundant computer controls on it. I got all this kind of crap that I uh, that I'm doing for this particular application, and uh, I'm I'm doing it right now as we talk. So uh, that's what I do. <laughs> I, I I still work. I still do all the things like I, I, I hang around at the machine shop uh, guy that we've been working with for 30 years. I'm very much um, current with what technology is today. I basically uh, uh, mix, I do engine seminars at these groups and uh, talk about physics, not bullshit uh, hot rod stuff. Right. Ridiculous! This some of the stuff that people do, and uh, just keep it keep it at the engineering level. And uh, I learned more about uh, I learned more about engines after I stopped racing. Uh, I'll give you a quick uh, quick uh, quick thing about that. I think you might get a kick out of it. Sure. Uh, at, at the end, at, you know, at the end of the day, uh, seventy three was a fast. Seventy three was actually. A very interesting day the year because I won uh, not with my with my pano, but I won with a SCCA national championship with a 427 Cobra, uh, which is the last Cobra to ever win a national championship in a major sanctioned body, and the first one to win since the Shelby team campaigned them against the fleet of factory back GM Corvettes. Wow, and uh, we were privateers, okay. And so, at, at the at the at, it, it, to make a long story short, I was ready to stop. And this guy walks into me. I didn't know him from Adam. Well, I did hear about him. I know about him. He says, "Hey, would would you take care of my Cobra?" And his name Sam Sam Feinstein. His name was. And uh, is that uh, I'll buy you a, a car and give you a truck, and but you got to take care of my Cobra. <laughs> I just well, he can't be because Ford's are pulled pulled up the sponsors on, uh, on everything, right? And I had to get a job. I go, I, I got to start making money. So um, I said, well, you made me do. I can't refuse. So basically, we did that. So I took a, I took his engine out, uh, checked it. It was about three hundred eighty-five horsepower in a dynamometer. It was pathetic. And uh, by the time I got done with the engine, it was making 660 horsepower, uh, <laughs> and, he, and he and he had to learn how to drive all over again. Okay, <laughs> and we went. We wound up uh, winning against the fleet. I mean, I'm talking major, major sponsor, General Motor sponsor stuff. We just kicked their ass. They didn't. And, and the last, um, when you have to win the national regional. Um, race to be, to be invited to the national race. So you got the regional races, then you go to the, the, the national races, and, and all the people that we never see from all around the country come converge at the Atlanta Motor Speedway. Right. So uh, we were down there, and here comes these cars. I, I couldn't believe big trucks, you know, semis with two, two trucks for each car sometimes. I mean, big professional groups. I mean, I couldn't believe it. And uh, from California and all that stuff that that the Midwest, they were really high rollers. And uh, and so they they intimidated the hell out of me. I tell you the truth, because we never, we didn't have that stuff. Yeah. And so, but uh, they found out real fast. We were on the pole. <laughs> okay. 
the so-called application design uh, liaisons and engineers for the uh, for that you know make this put this here give me this let the wire I need this clip over here you know that kind of stuff mm -hmm. you get it all set up for for production and we wound up with four gas analyzers first ones in the country and I personally me personally did the very first mandatory federal test uh, emission test for New York Boston and Philadelphia. Wow. So everybody hates both of that. Okay. So, <laughs> and then when I was in there, and uh, in, in that position, basically uh, the guys sort of say, "Well, we got to know, you know, the physics of the you know, thermodynamics and uh, the laws of energy conservation, all this kind of stuff." And then they brought a professor in, and they went and, and from the um, Harvard Graduate Center, and they stayed with us for weeks, and then talking about all this stuff, and I just sucked it up like a damn sponge. I because I know the application, the now, the theory that really, the really how things really work was really, I really, really got a lot out of it. It really, really makes a big difference to me. Well, you know, Mike and I, we're in the hobby a lot, and we listen to a lot of the guys that have driven race cars for Ford. And like, what separates you, Al, is that um, you know, it's one thing to be a hot rodder and. Another thing to be a driver, yeah. some, some drivers have made their whole careers on just driving and they don't turn a single wrench. They don't know anything about it. They hire somebody to figure out to make, how to make the engine go fast. But you're, you're kind of, you know, you're in another league where you can, you know, take the engine apart. You, you know this stuff inside and out, working on aerospace stuff. I mean, airplanes, you know, it's plane, trains and automobiles. I'm surprised you even have done that. And the fact that you can do both kind of, you know, and, they, and that you're still busy. Mike, can you imagine? Getting into retirement and working on stuff now that still floats your boat and 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 makes you keep learning and and yet still have fun with cars at the same time. You're an inspiration to guys like Mike and I. Well, I mean, he, Al sounds like he's 16. Can you tell the passion in his voice? If our listeners can't hear that, I mean, it's just like well, he's just starting right now. So that's awesome. Let, let me say this to you: retirement is a death sentence. You understand? You know, do nothing. And I'm talking about between the years. It's not just the physical. You understand? Oh yeah. You got to keep working. You got to keep your body working. If you don't use it, you lose it. You got to keep doing things. And that's and I, I, I'm in excellent shape. I can do everything I can. Not as long, but I can do everything. And I, and uh, I uh, uh, I contribute that towards stay, staying busy to, to to do things. Not not necessarily for anything other than peace of mind. Something to do, sitting around doing nothing uh, is not exactly fun. For Mike and I, um, and we both have had this experience in our careers, um, when, when something happens with a company and you're, you know, you know, you've got to invent something so that you can make a living. <laughs> We've both been there, Mike. And and sometimes you got to kind of press yourself, well, what am I going to do? And, and then just go back on your skill set and figure out, well, hey, I'm going to, you know, Mike, you've jumped around, I've jumped around, and we still think about five eight years from now what can we do that's going to fulfill us and al you've kind of found that that secret way to get you know to have fun and and be fulfilling at the same time well i hate to say this but when i was 15 years old i, I remember this like it was like a slap in the face to wake up you know i was i'm just learning to like cars and starting to really get enthusiastic about cars and i, I wanted to know more how they worked and so forth so I go to this grizzly old, I'm talking about, I wish I had a picture of him, a, a classic mechanic. I'm talking his 
fingers looked like they belonged in, 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 in a museum. They were so dirty, and his, his, his legs and everything was like uh, uh, out of a uh, uh, like a, some kind of magazine that's, that never been invented. But this guy had the the um, uh, with, with coveralls with the herringbone herringbone coveralls <laughs> with a with a pack with a, with a, with a, with a leather cap. On because they laid on their head all the time, so they had these leather caps that they wore underneath the cars as well as hitting something on the car. But they weren't weren't helmets, but they were just yellow leather caps. And he was sitting outside smoking, and I walked by and I says, and I'm I mean I'm scared to talk to this guy because I'm I'm, 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 I'm asking him a question. He said, Sir, can you tell me how an engine works? <laughs> oh God! Oh no! Oh that's <laughs> well not for you. I would never. You know, Mike, we've seen Al at, uh, at at Carlisle, and man, you talk about you know those are grueling twelve-hour days, and by the middle of late Saturday afternoon, he's still going and uh, heading out to the dinners and the banquets, and it's it's quite the feat, Al, that when we watch you, and, and one thing we noted when I showed Mike your book, you know, and, and people say, oh, it's the Adventures of Al Janik, Ford Ford drag drag racer. I, I know about Al Janik, and. The, it's the next part that kind of got Mike. Remember when it said Adventures of Algonic for Drag Racer? And then it says, A story of Mustangs, Cobra Jets, Bat Cars, Airplanes, Dragons, Hairy Ones, and 2,000 Worms. <laughs> and, uh, I said, Doesn't Mike, doesn't that kind of, after you've met Al, kind of like sum it all up? You can't explain Al with one word just as Drag Racer. I absolutely I agree. Oh, God. Yeah, the worms were basically. Uh... I used to get a penny a worm from my uncle who had a bait shop. He's the first guy in the in probably the United States even that sold worms to fishermen. You know what I mean? And uh, he uh, he got kids like me to go pick pick up worms, and uh, they give us a, a so-called dollar. I mean, excuse me, <laughs> a, a penny a penny a piece. So he had wow. a thousand uh, or to get ten bucks, you know, all that kind of stuff. But if you go to the right place, you can really get a lot of worms real fast. Well, but the bottom line, I, I, I got to, I had the money. I saved the money. I, I got 20 bucks. I needed five more bucks to buy my first 44 car. <laughs> I was dying on my cross because I don't go and get the extra five bucks. So I go in my, I mean, I went on my hands and knees. I go to my grandmother. Please give me five dollars. I was so, I was, I was so scared because this sale's gonna go real fast. So I gotta get this. And, it's, and it had a broken, had a broken rear in it, and an axle, and all that crap, and his, and his snow, and all that. And that, that's why you want to get rid of it. So it's a junk man. We're gonna give him ten bucks for it. So, so. You traded. You you work your way through the worms just to get your first Ford. So I had to get all that more. So I, I already could get that uh, uh, extra five, but I had to go beg for that. Bottom line is that's where the worms come in. Well, the, the other question that we get when we're looking at your your recent book here was they called you the Batman. Yeah, yeah, sure. Now, that, that was that has some dark I, connotations. <laughs> well, let me say this, that, that um, I got the first Ford deal in 1965. And uh, so I was now a factory racer, per se. And... Uh, I, uh, everybody had a name on their car. So I thought I was smart and I'm going to, I'm going to name it Pegasus, the, the flying Greek horse, you know? Sure. Yep. So I thought, cool. Well, I go out there 
And there, I'm not exaggerating. There had to be 2,000 Pegasus sat there. You know what I'm saying? It was about as original as the puppy. I mean, it was terrible. Everybody was a Pegasus everywhere. So I was embarrassed. That's the truth. So I, I, I'm saying, well, what the hell? I, got, I can't got to get a different name. This is nuts. So I'm in a bar looking at the television. Here comes the Batman series on. And, yep. and there comes the car. I said, that's it. I'm going with the Batman <laughs> I love it. I love that. Of course, that was Batman's original Batmobile was a Lincoln Futura concept car we sold to George Barris. But, but Al, that's that's what sort of endears you to people that love Ford drag racers. And your book, I, I tell you, I, I finally got the chance to read it. Uh, folks, if you uh, want information on it, you get on to FordPerformance.com. Or you can get it on Amazon. It's uh, The Adventures of Aljonic. And it's really, I mean, it's, your story is so inspirational to anybody who really wants to know about that whole era. And, of course, you, uh, you told it to um, Charlie Morris, who's a drag racing historian himself. Uh, so you guys really kicked the tail of telling this great history. So those kids out there that are going to drag races or, you know, they're racing their Fox body or S550 or S197, if you really want to know what it was like to go and create this whole phenomenon that we fell in love with back in the 60s. You owe it to yourself to buy Al Jonik's book. And what a read that was. I enjoyed that so much. And as we, you know, I got to, inter I got to interview you on stage at Carlisle, and Mike was standing down there for me, and he, he said when I came down, I, I remember Mike, I said, boy, that was a blast. He said, you know what? I could listen to you guys all day. And you, you just oh, yeah. have so many stories. Remember, Mike, we... You said, man, I, I and I told you I couldn't get to half the questions. Right, right, yeah. And, and not one second is boring ever. No, well, that's because Al's life's not boring. Well, the truth <laughs> of the matter, you got it's, 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 you got to have a good audience. And the bottom line is, uh, if I if I talk like this at, at a church, they would throw me out. You know what I mean? But you got got to have an audience that listens and likes this kind of stuff. It's a niche thing, and, and it's basically a, a big one. It's a big niche. Well, that's why we wanted you to have this time on the Mustang Owners podcast, because a lot of people haven't had that opportunity to hear you or know about you and read your book. And, and the fact that you, it's not just all those Ford events that you're actively still involved with the, the guys that do down the FE reunion for those four big block guys who love the FE motors Al knows a whole bunch of guys that still have their galaxies and they go out, they have a every reunion down at what is it in? It's in Pennsylvania, right? It's in uh, Beaver Springs, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it'd be in March, uh, excuse me, September 8th and 9th, 10th, I think, something like that. Yeah. Hey, John, you, uh, we failed to mention uh, this episode. It has a specific number with it, doesn't it? That's right. It's, it's that Al, Al is our special guest for a very special episode here for this us. This is our 50th podcast, Al. See that? Isn't that something? You know what? It's funny you should say that 50. Yeah, that's right. My, my Cobra Jet was, there's only 50 of them made in the beginning, the, the first 50. Mine was number 50. They saved the yeah. best for that. Yeah. That's crazy right now. That's just crazy. Mike, that's, a, that's phenomenal. You know, when Al was talking to us about having a partner who likes to fly upside down, I I'm reminded of driving with Mike Ray to places because I, <laughs> I don't think we're upside down. But Al, you know, he uh, Mike took over. Not only does he run 
the Mustang Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan, one of the one of the premier clubs in North America. But uh, he also runs beyond Moxham. He runs Boxham, which is the Bronco Owners Club of Southeastern Michigan. Mike, you got a couple hundred members there, right? Uh, over twelve hundred already. Oh my God! And now the International Council of Mustang Clubs. Uh, bless Dean Ritchie's heart for turning that over. And now we're hoping to to find a, a sweet spot for all the people out there in the Mustang world who love this hobby, love our heritage, and and Aljonic, you are part of this glorious Mustang heritage. We really want to thank you for sharing some of your stories with us tonight. Hey, my pleasure. I basically. Uh, uh, it's part of the, um, uh, the, the fence racing. It's pe- what I call it. It's the guy telling stories, and, and you, you live off of the um, other person's uh, life as well as your own. And you basically, it's a fraternity of some kind. You know, everybody uh, appreciates everybody's uh, activity. I. Uh, Again, I keep saying that as long as people listen, I'll talk. But the bottom line is, that it's <laughs> come, it'll come to an end eventually. But uh, yeah, will you be I'll, at Carlisle this year? Uh, no, I'm going. I, they they commandeered me for the uh, 50th, excuse me, 55th Cobra Jet anniversary, which is the following week in Norwalk, uh, Ohio, and I can't go to two different things They're like that. No, the Cobra, gotcha, Cobra okay. Jet. Cobrajet, you guys, along with Mike, maybe you and I should start looking at our calendar and see if we can in September get down to that FE reunion, watch those old racers race, and then talk to Al about going out to the bar and sitting there and trading war stories with him. Can you imagine that? We're not going to get back to yeah. the hotel until 2 in the morning. <laughs> Again, well, uh, thank you, Al. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you enjoyed this episode of our Mustang Owners Podcast. Al, Jonik, it's a great pleasure every time we get to talk to you. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you so much, fellas. I appreciate it, and um, I'll, I'll hopefully see you soon. Absolutely. So don't forget to get The Adventures of Aljonic, Ford Drag Racer, at a bookstore near you, or get it off Amazon, or check out FordPerformance.com for our review. And uh, that that's what makes this hobby so great, to talk to legends in the Ford world. And, Mike, we were served. this was just special for us on our 50th podcast. Absolutely. Uh, what, what an honor for it to, to interview a legend tonight like that and uh, to hear those stories firsthand. So Mike and I will we'll be chasing other legends down the road here, ladies and gentlemen. So I hope you keep looking on our podcast list to check us out next time. So until next time, we're just going to have to catch you down the road.